Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm really excited to share with you a recording from last year's Rise Up Summit, a session done by one of our team members here at Teach for the Heart, Sarah Humes. And we're going to be talking about how you can teach with joy this year. And I think this is going to be really relevant for you, really helpful for you as you start to either prepare to head back to school if you're already back kind of getting your head around this new year and trying to put in place practices that will make this a joyful year, a good year. And before we get into the recording for this session, I wanted to simply talk with you for just a minute about the fact that you may or may not feel excited or ready to head back this year. And if you are feeling that way, I just want you to know that it's normal and understandable. I say normal in the fact that you're not alone in feeling like this. Last year was so, oh, what do you, I don't even know what word to use. We know what it was, right? It was crazy. And so much happened. And you probably didn't have enough time over the summer to fully recover from last year to the point that you're thinking, man, I'm excited and ready to dive back in. If you're feeling that way, that is wonderful. But if you're not, it's really, really understandable. And it doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to be a teacher. It, it, it means yes this is here is going to be a little bit challenging too because we haven't had the we haven't had an, as much recovery as we'd like and there are more challenges ahead but that is exactly why i'm so excited to bring you this session because sarah has so many practical and spirit led ideas for you to help you set yourself up to have a joyful year despite the challenges we have faced and despite the challenges that are ahead. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this. I'll start that recording now. Hello, everyone. So this is Taking Action to Teach with Joy. I love sharing this with you because this is just my passion. I love teaching about this. So this is Real Steps for Real Joy in the classroom. And I I just can't wait to teach it. Cannot wait to share this with you. So here we go. So just in case you didn't get to know me earlier, my name is Sarah Rose Humes. That's me and my family. Um, I work for Teach for the Heart. I am um, here representing them today. I'm a Spanish teacher. I also teach ESL and speech at my um, school. And last year, we launched a new class called Success 101, which truly was a success. We um, did just some amazing um, collaborations with um, the Positivity Project, which if you have not heard about the Positivity Project, you need to hear about the Positivity Project. It is amazing. And we combined the Positivity Project with Seven Habits of Highly Effective People with a little bit of Brene Brown's work and um, some of Tanya Dalton's work, which if you do not know these people, you need to look them up. They are fabulous. Um, So that's what I do at work. But when I'm at home, I am married to this guy right here. This is my husband of 15 years. His name is David. We met our senior year of high school. And I fell in love with him instantly. (laughs) Um, We got married after we graduated from college. And then we had our son, Micah, and our daughter, Lydia. 
And as you can see in the picture, I am now the shortest member of our family, um, except for our kitties, Bruce and Charles. <laughs> um, I'm thankful for them because at least I can tower above them. <laughs> so um, yes, that's that's my family, and we are just so blessed. We we truly do enjoy being a family and being with one another. So we live in northwestern Pennsylvania, right near Erie. Um, we're actually planning on moving to Erie very soon. Um, that's the, where the school I teach is at. We live a little bit south of there right now, but we're working on moving there. So. <laughs> Um, so you might be asking, why is this lady qualified to teach about joyful teaching? Well, let me tell you, first of all, my students, um, you know, how I teach kindergarten through 12th, but mostly I focus on high schoolers and my students often ask me why I'm so happy, especially in the morning when they're a little cranky. <laughs> um, I'm known for my smile which makes me feel really happy. I like being known for my smile. And I honestly, I believe with all of my heart in joyful teaching. I believe that we are better teachers when we're happy teachers. But I have to tell you, I have not always been super bubbly. Um, I've always wanted to be, but I've gone through a lot in my life. Um, I'm 37 years old right now, but um, by the time I was 30, I had gone through things that most people should never have to go through. Um, and because of that, I have survived depression, like crippling depression and anxiety and agoraphobia. Um, there were seasons of my life where I was terrified to even leave my home because of things I've gone through. Um, I have dealt with extreme loss. Both of my sisters um, died at very young ages. Um, I have lived through poverty. Um, and when I say poverty, it, extreme poverty, <laughs> um, as a child and illness and heartache. Um, and, and recently, um, my husband and I actually went through, um, a really heart wrenching time in our marriage and we, we had to rebuild, um, our broken marriage, actually my first year of teaching. Um, I didn't start teaching, um, until my mid thirties, I was raising our babies at first. And, um, and I wasn't sure if our marriage was going to make it. I was actually advised to separate from my husband. And I did not feel that that was the Lord's answer for our particular situation. And, um, my administration was actually wonderful. I teach at a Christian school and they were so wonderful in praying us through the rebuilding of our marriage. So we have gone through a lot in our home. And I think, you know, you hear about the Bible talking about how adversity leads to perseverance. I think my life is a perfect example of that. And I think that's why I'm qualified to teach this course. <laughs> I've gone through the trenches. And I've come out stronger than ever. And I praise God for that. So let's take some action. <laughs> uh, my goals for today. My goals for today are to empower you. I want to give you some meaningful practice, practical action steps. So um, even if you are feeling kind of miserable right now, which 
would be completely natural because 2020 is hard. I want to share with you that joyful teaching is within your reach. Um, Even if life feels kind of miserable right now, we're going to take some very practical steps to move towards the right direction. So the first thing I want to share is that starting your day with beautiful routines helps so much. Now, I want to let you know that um, I actually suffered another big loss this year. I think I'd mentioned um, in the other the other session I did that my grandpa um, had passed away um, right before COVID launched or whatever COVID did. And, um, and in the middle of all that, um, <laughs> there's just so many other things that happened. So I asked last year um, for my contract to be brought down. And for those of you who listened to my intro, you, you can see I have a lot on my plate. And I asked at my school to go to part-time this year. So I am really embracing this part for me this year because I don't have to start teaching till the afternoon. However, (laughs) this part, the start your day with beautiful routines has still been part of my life. And I want you to know that I currently live about 45 minutes from my school And I am the early care teacher, which means I get there before anyone else. And I sometimes have to drive through approximately a foot and a half of snow to get there. So if you're thinking, I can't do an early morning routine before school, you can. Okay. I, um, for those of you who are listening to my intentional speech before, I said, we are problem solvers, not excuse makers. (laughs) So we're going to find a way to solve this problem and not make excuses on why we're not going to start our day with beautiful routines. All right. We're going to be empowered people. So um, I sometimes will get up at 430 in the morning to make sure that I had a chance to start my day with a beautiful routine so that I could show up and be the best darn teacher that my students could have. They deserve that. I deserve that. The Lord definitely deserved that. I was there to give the Lord glory and my attitude better be given the Lord glory, right? Yes. Okay. So I divided this up between home routines and school routines because starting your day with beautiful routines, you kind of need both, right? Um, And I shared some of mine. This does not have to, these do not have to work for you. Like as I'm sharing, write down some things that would work for you. Okay. So these are some things that I do at home. Um, and I like to mix them up because while I do have some consistent things I do, um, there are things that sometimes I throw in and sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't feel like doing that today. <laughs> so um at home, I like to do Bible reading in the morning. I love to just take time and sip my coffee. I love to listen to good music, journaling, blow drying my hair. Guys, I swear if I blow dry my hair, my day is at least five times better. <laughs> I am listening to podcasts on my drive up or at home. Um, family breakfast. That did not happen very often because I left so much earlier than my family and my kids go to a different school than I teach. But man, when I ate family breakfast with even one member of my family, my heart was so filled. It just made me so happy. Um, kitty snuggles. If you have a pet, just take time to talk to your pet, 
pet, pet your pet. <laughs> I don't know. Snuggle your pet. Um, we have a fabulous front porch here. And even in the winter, I would just love to sit on the rocking chair. And we have cold winters here, really cold winters and really snowy winters. But I would just love to sit there and do that. Um, taking some time to stretch or exercise. Um, y'all, I'm not a huge fan of exercise. <laughs> no, not really. But it did start my day off great. Um, and actually that reminds me of another one for school routines that I'll have to tell you about. Um, and just smiling. If I just took the time to smile, cause sometimes we just wake up with a grumpy face on. If I just took the time to smile, it would make all the difference. Now school routines, getting to work early. I hated being rushed, especially cause parents depended on me to be on time. So I loved taking my time getting to work. And if I left on time, I could drive this way that there was a whole pasture full of horses and they were so beautiful. I loved to drive that way. Um, I loved writing happy messages to my students on their desk with dry erase marker that would wipe right off with Lysol wipes. That was so much fun. Um, once again, music. And I loved um, last summer, I bought a ton of lamps from Ikea and just the way it lit up the room and I might put on a diffuser and make my whole room smell like oranges, which all the students, not one single student ever complained about my room smelling like oranges, which was wonderful. They did complain about other scents. <laughs> a lot of my students did not like mint, which I thought was odd, but they all loved oranges. <laughs> Um, I loved doing prayer walks around my school. Um, oh, yes, laying out papers, um, getting them all set for the day. Um, what about a note of gratitude for a worker, a coworker, or administration? I loved doing that and just making someone else happy, um, praying over students' desks. One other thing that I forgot to mention is um, I do early care, I had mentioned earlier. And I loved playing basketball with one of my students. He was a little first grader that came in early every day. That was so much fun. That's actually how I usually started my day with exercise. So this is your turn. What is one simple thing you'll do at home to start your day off well? And what is one simple thing you'll do to start your day off at school? So think about those. Write them down. I would love it. I would actually truly love it. If you would take the time to, to answer these action steps and snap a picture when you're done and then send them to the email, I'll give you at the end. Um, and for those of you who take the time to email me before August 10th, I, um, I might have a prize. Yeah, I have a little prize for you. So if you email me with your action steps for these five routines, I'll give you a prize because this is how much... I want you to enjoy your beautiful, um, you know, all the good things that are happening and uh, just to be joyful. So, all right. Number two, keep the chaos at bay. Um, there have been study after study after study <laughs> that talk about how chaos and clutter and all of these kinds of things trigger stress hormones in, in us, especially if you are a woman. 
Now that does not mean that it does not trigger stress hormones in men, but um, it's more frequently triggered in women. So to keep the chaos at bay at home. Okay. Now here's what I want you to remember first. Remember we are problem solvers. We are not excuse makers. Okay. So if you start feeling those excuses bubble up, say, I'm going to find a way to solve this. Okay. I want you to delegate. If your kids are like more than three years old, you can start delegating things to them. I know this because before as a teacher, I I owned a business that was based on helping people um, organize their homes and declutter their lives. And this is such an important part. When we learn to delegate, it changes everything. When you learn how to make your home a team and you're not the only one that's responsible for grocery shopping and the only exception to this would be as if you live alone. <laughs> okay. Um, but other than that, if you have people that live in your home, you need to somehow find a way to work it together as a team. Um, we use our, we have whiteboards all over my house. We have four of them and, um, whiteboards and corkboards, um, two big corkboards too. And we use them to write, what we need from the store and what people would like for dinner and um, all different kinds of things. We also have a tool called Trello, which things are automatically delegated to people. And my kids know exactly what's expected of them every day. And I know that my kids are 11 and 14, but this has been like this since they were little. Um, you know, my kids have learned how to do laundry, how to make their beds. Um <laughs> You know, they learned how to scrub the toilets when they were like five. So there are lots of people that have um, lots of tips and tricks online that can teach you how to do this. Um, the same. So, yeah, we have delegating, decluttering. If you need help decluttering, send me a message. I have um, a great friend who runs a fabulous business that can help you declutter your entire house. And I know this is true because I used her um, thing when I was first getting started and coming out of my depression. Um, the other thing is setting boundaries. Oh, boundaries are hard, right? But boundaries are also very loving. I have my husband's 85-year-old grandfather, who I adore, y'all. He is just so sweet and feisty and everything that we call him poppy. He is everything that a poppy should be. <laughs> and, but sometimes poppy kind of expects too much out of me. Cause I, you know, I have like three different jobs <laughs> plus being a mom and, a, and everything. So I always just say, you know what, poppy, that will need to wait until next Tuesday and I'll come over on next Tuesday and we'll take care of that together. And I cannot wait to hang out with you then. And if anything else comes up, put it on my list for next Tuesday. And so we just set boundaries and he has become so much more respectful of my time and everything I do since I've started setting boundaries with him. And, and I just let him know how much I love him and that, um, I'm for him and I'm always cheering him on, but that I have to have space to get the other things I need to be 
done. I also set boundaries with my kids. And I say, you know what? I'm exhausted. I'm going to set the timer for 10 minutes. If you could just not talk to me for 10 minutes, and I say it in a really nice way, like not in a mean way, but just in a way that says, hey, um, I want to be the best mom I can be for the rest of the night. So if you can give me 10 minutes a piece, just so I can get through this and they get it. Right. So the next thing is at school procedures. And guys, I can help you with this. Um, Linda, who owns Teach for the Heart, has created just this amazing um, 50 procedures that are going to save your sanity. Um, and we have decluttering. Um, this is kind of my specialty. I can, uh, we actually, I think we did a podcast on this on how to declutter your classrooms and organizing, delegating, routinely cleaning your classroom. Mm, it's not so much fun, is it? But do you know that just having, I love, you know, every other Friday wiping down my room with um, Mrs. Meyer's lilac spray and coming in that Monday morning and still smelling the faint smell of it and being like, oh, my room is so clean. And I am, you want to talk about joy. It's ready. It's there. So all these things that carry over from home and school, they're basically the same thing. Learning how to delegate, giving your students jobs so you don't have to do everything. I tried to do everything in my classroom the first year. I can't believe I still teach because I was so exhausted. Um, but yeah, it, it's just amazing what you can learn and what your students can do. So I just want to encourage you. This is how we keep the chaos at bay. So here's your action steps. I want you to think, what is one thing you will do to keep your home running more smoothly? And then what is one thing that you're going to do to help your classroom be more peaceful? I want you to write those down. And if you're going to email me, um, make sure you put them on that paper. So keeping chaos at bay is so important. So <laughs> I love this little picture. I really like cats, just in case you can't tell. This is not my cat, by the way. So I want you to identify and change your thinking about your joy killers. We are embracing joy here. We want to teach with joy, right? So the first thing we need to do is figure out what's killing our joy. Or I guess maybe this is the third thing we need to do. But we need to figure out what's killing our joy. What's taking it away? So I want to tell you a story about my biggest joy killer that was happening in school. So I had worked really hard at producing these amazing, great procedures. I, and I mean, I had worked way hard at having these procedures down, like color-coded procedures. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous, but I'd worked hard on them. I had amazing lesson plans. I knew that if a college professor had come in and, and graded my lesson plans, I would have more than 100%, okay? I had high expectations for my students, high expectations for myself. I knew things were great. I had fabulous routines, a consistent prayer life. I had great rapport with my students, but huh, let's talk about the but. This, this happens to us. We all end up with that one student or that one class or that one day or that one week, sometimes we even have that one year, right? For me, 
What was happening is I had that one class. <sighs> it was rough. And it was a class that just, it wasn't just me. It was, it was a cohort of kids that just played off of each other. And my students' behavior was determining if I had a good day or a bad day. And up until fourth period, I would have a great day every day. And then I'd be like, oh, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming in my classroom. And after fourth period, my day would go downhill every single day. And so my students' behavior used to determine if I had a good day or a bad day. And that was not fair to me. And it was not fair to my students. Not only the students in my fourth period class, but what about the students in my fifth period, my sixth period, and my seventh period? That really was not fair to them. Okay. It was super not fair to them. So um, I, I remember my, I would get a headache usually by the middle of seventh period because of what, or sixth period, because of what happened in fourth period. And I only drink Coca-Cola if I have a headache. And my seventh period class knew if there was a Coke on my desk, it had been a really bad day and that it just was not going to be good in my class. And I hated that. I hated that they knew that. So here's what I learned. <laughs> I learned that rough moments are the times when I can show the love of Christ the most. It is not easy. Oh my goodness. Y'all, I cannot even explain what this class, this particular class was like. Um, I don't feel like it's a holy thing to even revisit, to be quite honest. But um, but I did have learned that there is nothing that grows my joy more than being an imitator of God. If I want to be truly Christ-like, I'm going to learn how to work through these issues. Okay, so grace, giving these kids grace does not mean allowing misbehavior, but it means focusing on how to help them redirect their issues, right? Um, being consistent. And I had a really great mentor teacher um, that I just basically said, okay, I'm going to watch what you do. I'm going to see what you do. And I'm going to do what you do. <laughs> and because our school doesn't really have a mentor program, but I had listened to podcasts and I had heard how other schools had mentor programs. And I said, who are they giving the least amount of problems to? And it was my coworker, Teresa. So I went and observed Teresa's room and I started handling things like Teresa does uh, because I had to learn. And um, so I, and I learned she's really consistent. That's all there was to it. Teresa's consistent, no matter how she feels, what day it is. Um, it, everything. I mean, her consistency is there. Um, the other thing I learned, particularly for this fourth period class, was that my bad mood only makes me a target for my high schoolers. They, they almost got a kick out of if I was in a bad mood, right? I don't want to give them fodder. <laughs> I wanted to give them joy because that's who I really am. I want to be authentic. So, and um, just like we tell our students, no one gets to control your behavior except you. So 
I get to choose how I respond. And I chose that I was going to respond biblically from here on out. And I loved thinking about James um, chapter one, where it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials and temptations of many kind. Um, It was tempting to like want to scream at those kids, but that's not holy. It was tempting to want to quit my job some days, but that was not what God had called me to do. What I really needed to do was to commit to being consistent and faithful in consequences, in joy, and showing up for these kids. And that was how I chose to respond. So those rough moments are gold. Those rough moments are going to make me the kind of teacher I want to be. And I have those kids again this year. I have that same cohort of kids. And I know it's going to be tough, but I'm ready to do it better. I'm ready to become mature and complete, not lacking anything, just like the Bible promises. And I know it might take longer than two school years, but I'm, I'm ready to work towards that. The other thing I learned is that um, I need to separate the students from the behavior. And this has really helped. A bad behavior from students does not mean that the student is necessarily a bad kid. Um, it doesn't even mean that the student doesn't like me personally. Um, and it also doesn't mean that the student doesn't want to learn. Behavior is very complex. And um, as a still, uh, you know, I'm still pretty early in my teaching career here. I'm recognizing that I cannot put my thumb on student behavior as easily as I thought I could. Um, so what I need to do um, in my case was I needed to identify my joy killer. My joy killer was negative behavior from students. And then, so you need to identify what's your joy killer. Maybe it's a coworker that drives you crazy. Um, I actually love, I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like my coworkers all just kind of make me so happy. Like I feel very fortunate that I can't even think of one coworker that doesn't even like all my coworkers just make me thrilled. Um, but, um, what, what's your, what's your joy killer? What is it? Identify it. And then think, are you willing to change your thinking about your joy killer? I, I was, it took me a little bit, but I did. I changed my thinking. I realized that me becoming in a bad mood because of this particular grade, um, was not doing anything. And I did seek help with it. I went to my administrators. I, I found a person to observe. I did everything I could. I, you know, and then what steps am I willing to take to keep my joy alive? I'm memorizing scripture. I'm praying over these kids. I'm getting creative. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that this is going to be a successful year with these students. Um, and then when it comes to maintaining that joy, um, especially if it comes with something like bad behavior or a frustrating relationship, I want to encourage you to be where your feet are. I tell my kids this all the time. Um, Lydia, my daughter will often say, well, what about when I'm in college and this happens or <laughs> she, she has this incredible mind to think about the future. Um, and I just say, Hey kiddo, be where your feet are. Where are your feet right now? And she'll say, well, they're right here. And I'm like, that's right. They are right here. So we learned from yesterday. 
we don't live there. So if a class was bad yesterday, that was yesterday. We need to let today be a fresh start. Um, And I love that. I love when my students come in. If I had a bad day with a student yesterday, I love giving them a fresh start. That's just how God is with us, right? His mercies are new every single morning. How exciting is that? We do not have to like try to make everything fabulous um, on our own because God gives us a brand new fresh start. Um, And that means that if we are having a really rough time at home, that we're present with our students. Um, That means if... You know, like whatever it takes sometimes just to be present with our students, looking them in the eyes, being thankful for them, prayer before class, whatever you need to do, just be present with your kids. Um, so tips to be where your feet are. <laughs> Intentional prost- procrastination. Um, Linda who owns Teach for the Heart, she has this awesome intentional procrastination list. And what it does is it helps you realize what you need to get done now versus what you can put off till later. It is a really cool way of looking at things. And I love it. Um, Batching. So how to be where your feet are? Do a whole bunch of things that connect at once. Okay. So if you're teaching, you're teaching, right? But if I'm grading, I'm just going to do a whole bunch of grading at once which kind of connects into time management. And um, man, we have some great resources for time management at teachfortheheart.com. And there's just so much I want to share with you guys. Oh, I wish I had like seven hours, but don't worry. I don't. (laughs) Um, Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a great way to be where your feet are. When you start feeling angry about something that happened, take a deep breath. And sorry, I actually need a little sip of water here. Um, take a deep breath and realize that God has forgiven you for so much and it's okay to, to, you know, forgive others too. So just one second. Um, how else can we be where our feet are? A nice deep breath. (sighs) Right. Doesn't that feel so good? I love a nice deep breath. I love doing deep breaths with my kindergarten students with all the way up to my seniors. It's therapeutic. It's good for us. It gets our oxygen circulated. Excuse me. (sighs) Apparently I needed that deep breath. Sometimes we need it more than we think. Um, And it's just, it is so good for us. It is really good for us. The last thing that we need, um, that we can do, and I'm sure there's more, but this was just the ones that popped in my mind is something called monotasking. Um, if you are having a rough day and you're just like, I need to get this done and this done and this done and this done. Monotasking means to quit trying to do 17 things at once and just focus on one thing at a time and be very present doing that one thing and doing it well. I love working this way. It makes me feel amazing and so accomplished and so good at what I do. So I encourage you to do that. So be where your feet are and, uh, and work on this. Um, so action steps, identify your biggest stressors and then 
notice what tips resonated with you the most. Some of these are going to really resonate with some of you and some of them might not. And that's okay. Um, but I want you to, to notice the ones that resonated with you. Cause that means that you're lacking probably those. And then I want you to, um, try identifying a moment in your day to take three calming breaths. I love to do that at the beginning of each class with my students. <sighs> and they like it too. Transitioning from one class to another can be a little chaotic sometimes. And there's nothing like just kind of setting our intentions for the class um, with some breaths. So, um, so what else about joy? Let's talk about bringing in the good stuff. Guys, so many times we just simply forget to bring in the good stuff. Have you been forgetting to do this? Sometimes I forget. Um, right now our family's in the process of moving and it has been really stressful, but every once in a while, someone will remind me that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And just hearing scripture reminds me how good God is. So what are good things? Gratitude, right? Just being thankful. Man, gratitude goes so, so far. And bringing that into your classrooms is just so meaningful. Self-care. You are more than just a teacher. And I don't mean that in, in the way it sounds, but we have to te- we have to like treat ourselves well. Okay, we are caring for students and families and our own families. And, oh, the list goes on and on and on. We are allowed to get a haircut. (laughs) I'm saying this as someone who hasn't got a haircut in 15 months. I need a haircut. (laughs) I cut my bangs once during Corona. (laughs) Okay, we need to make sure we're taking time for our hobbies I started getting really cranky a couple weeks ago. So I pulled out my spray paint and my sanding, um, my orbital sander. Couldn't even think of the name of it. And I redid, I refurbished a rocking chair because I love being creative. Um, our hobbies are part of how God created us. And they're not just a waste of time. Okay. So taking time to do that matters. Teaching in a way that's authentic for you, if I did not teach with music, it would feel weird. My students know when they walk into Mrs. Humes' classroom, there will be singing. There will probably be dancing. There will be puppets. There will be llamas and probably some mention of either cats or sloths, okay? Because that's authentically me. That's who I am. I will talk about my children. I will talk about my husband. I am relational and I love music and that I have to be authentic to myself in order to be a great teacher. Okay. So be authentic to you. It'll make it more interesting to your students too. Um, Spend time with your friends. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more joyful. Uh, And once again, Can I just remind you, we are problem solvers, not excuse makers. I know some of you are always 
always coming up with excuses on why you can't make time with your friends. Find solutions. Okay. Get creative. Even if you have to have to hang out with them on Zoom, we all know how to use Zoom now. Okay. (laughs) Um, Get lots of sleep. I have to be honest with you. This is not my strongest thing. I am running on three hours of sleep today. I'm taking a nap after I'm done with this. (laughs) Um, Spending time in nature. Nothing can make me feel better than sitting along the beach. The waves, the sound of the waves just soothes my soul. If I'm cranky, I head to the beach. So I want you to think about what the good things are in your life. Things to get rid of? Excuses. We've talked about this a few times. Um, And uh, excuses just need to go. We are not excuse makers. We are problem solvers. I I so want you guys to embrace that. (laughs) Um, We need to, to get rid of overly negative people. I mean, I realize there's limits to how we can, you know, We can't just chuck people out of our lives, but we can set limits. Like we do not have to hang out with people who suck us dry. We do not have to do that. Um, Okay. This is me right now. I'm talking to me. Okay. We do not have to work to the point of exhaustion. (laughs) I just had a really busy week this week. Um, Doing work while you're moving is hard, but um, you don't have to only get three hours of sleep. And if you do take an amazing nap, okay. And don't feel guilty about it, which I won't, by the way, I will nap like a boss and you should too, if you're tired. (laughs) Um, and if you're disorganized, schedule a three hour block of time and get yourself organized because those things will all suck you dry of your joy. And the world needs a joyful you. I want you to stop and say that. I want you to repeat me. The world needs a joyful me, (laughs) right? The world needs a joyful you. Think about that. Think about how awesome you are when you're joyful, right? The world needs you to be joyful and the best you you can be. So here are some action steps. What are some good things you've been neglecting? Have you been neglecting sleep too? What are some simple steps you can take to add them to your life? Are you going to take a nap today? Because I am. (laughs) And what's something you need to get rid of? I am guessing there are a lot of you who need to get rid of excuses. Um, I'm just saying I have a lot of girlfriends, like, and I am always reminding them that excuses don't work when you're with Sarah. (laughs) Um, But maybe there's other things you need to get rid of. Maybe you are disorganized and you, you like even almost like kind of play it off. Like, I'm like, an organized disorganized, (laughs) you know, like it's okay to like a little bit, but just make sure that it's not stealing your joy. I want the best for you, friend. I want you to enter this school year so incredibly happy that you cannot wait to crack open that door or bust open your laptop that first day. One of the things that I'm going to be organizing is uh, my Google files. They're so bad. Uh, and once again, I'm going to set it, set aside like an hour, like three different times. And I'm just going to, um, organize away to be quite honest. I might even put my 14 year old at it because he loves to do stuff like that for me. And he does not charge a lot. These are little things I, I, uh, 
have him do for me um, that are not part of his, do you see what I'm doing? I'm delegating and I'm joyful about it. So what I do is I delegate to my 14 year old who loves to do tech stuff and I give him a little bit of money. Like I'm like, hey, for like $3 an hour, will you do this? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it because he thinks it's awesome. And um, he feels really helpful. And there's, yeah. And he just likes to help his mom. <laughs> and I delegate and I don't have to do it. It's fabulous. So, all right. Number five, pivot anytime you need to. All right. A lot of times we'll start doing something and we're like, oh, this is not working for me, (laughs) right? This is not working for me. And we're embarrassed because we realize we committed to something and we're like too embarrassed or too ashamed to admit that it's not working, right? And so the shame that we feel holds us back from doing anything about it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pivot anytime you need to. Do not let shame hold you back. Instead, I want you to embrace courage. I want you to be brave and I want you to make the changes you need to. And here's why. When you do that, it shows others what big things God is doing in your life. So let's think about a time that this could be applicable. Um, Okay, I'm just going to use like a really, I don't know, really weird example. But um, let's say you got a new puppy. And this puppy was so cute. And you loved it. And it was just everything you ever thought that you could ever want. But suddenly you're realizing your family was not ready for a puppy. But you know how people react when puppies need rehomed. People make nasty comments on the internet and um, all this stuff happens, right? Um, Like people might say, well, why do you even get a puppy? You, You know what I mean? Like things could happen. Are you going to let your shame hold you back? or? Are you going to be brave and make the changes that you need to do? You know that keeping that puppy is not good for the puppy and it's not good for your family. So what are you going to choose? Shame or courage? My prayer is that you would choose the courage because it's what's best for you and it's what's best for the puppy, right? And that will lead for a more joyful life for both of you. So when you do that, you become a trailblazer and that helps you to show how big God is in your life and how you're willing to step out and do truly what the brave thing is, even if you made a mistake by getting the puppy in the first place. Um, so, um, and I, I just put this on here because I'm sorry, guys, I cannot hear the word pivot and not think of this scene from friends where Ross is like pivot, pivot. And you know what? Sometimes it's okay to laugh a little too. So I just threw that in there. So I want you to think, I want you to pray. Are there things where you need to pivot a little in your life? Maybe it's even like the classroom you're teaching in or the grade or the school. Um, that's okay. Do you know, my husband and I, we just had to make a big pivot and back out on a contract for a house. And it was horrifying. 
it was like, we could have let shame and embarrassment and blah, blah, blah. Like we could have all let that, you know, rule us. Um, because it was embarrassing to realize that we had missed some big warning signs when our inspector found all this stuff that went through. But instead, we ran with courage. <sighs> a lot of courage. Because now we're like, <laughs> so we don't know where we're going to live. We'll figure that out though, right? And so now, um, now we're choosing the way of the trailblazer. So you find wise mentors that you can talk about these things with. You identify a trailblazer in your own life. Um, I was very open and said, hey, this is what happened to us. If you've gone through something like this, can you share your story with us? Um, and these people have come forward and they have shared with us. And then I have been able to cheer them on, thank them. And they are kind of helping us take the next brave steps. So pivot anytime you really need to. Listen to the Holy Spirit guide you, and um, it'll help you live more authentically, more joyful. So this is kind of the part where we wrap up here. And I want you to think, were my goals for today met? Do you feel more empowered? Do you feel like you can step into this school year with more joy? Do you feel like you can have practical action steps? to propel you to where you can, you know, feel more prepared at home and more prepared at school? Um, do you feel like you'll remain stuck or do you know how to make changes? I really want to know that joyful teaching is within your reach. And if you um, are feeling that, please let me know. And if you're not, let me know what I can do to help you get there. And I just want you to know, I am so excited for how God is going to help you step into action and joy this year. And it is going to be a wonderful, wonderful transition transition. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this today. I had so much fun just sharing my heart with you. And um, I'm just praying that you have a wonderful school year. I'm so glad you guys got to hear that session from Sarah. I pray that it has been helpful for you. And uh, before we go, let's take a moment to pray together, and then I have some important things to share with you. Father, thank you so much for each teacher that's here. Thank you for this new year, this fresh start. I pray you will be in it, Father. I pray that you will work in each teacher's life. Show them what they need, the practices they need to establish, uh, what changes and attitudes they need to change so that they can teach with your joy this year, Father. And may we each rely on you fully, uh, knowing that you are our true source of joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen couple things before we go. This was, as I told you, a session from last year's Rise Up Summit, and we are having another free summit this coming October. So if you haven't checked that out and signed up yet, you can sign up for free at riseupchristianeducators.com. That's riseupchristianeducators.com. I also wanted to let you know that Sarah is one of our mentors in our Teach for the Heart mentorship program. So if you've enjoyed hearing from Sarah and think, man, I would love to learn more from her, um, we invite you to join us in our Teach for the Heart mentorship program. You can get more information about it at teachfortheheart.com slash mentorship. We also have a free training that kind of shares some of the key mindset shifts you need to have before you join the mentorship and gives you more information about that. You can sign up for that free training at Teach for the the heart.com slash free. 
Well, thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.